my youth was spent in a street. Jürgen Schwening spent his early childhood in Greater Hanover. One of the main differences between the time today and that time was that one lived in isolation. The street you lived in, that was your world. To uh, cope with the demands of ordinary life uh, and so on keeps you busy enough. And in any case, the perspective of a child is very different from that of an adult. An adult will worry about tomorrow and where to get this and that and that. As a child, you don't worry about those things. You take each day as it comes. During the war, his street was no longer safe. Now the planes swing down toward the ground, for it's a low-level raid to evade anti-aircraft fire and hostile fighter planes. Partly because of the dangers of bombing, you didn't go out much. So release the bombs and down they stream. Havoc and destruction are made vivid by the strange effects of light. As seen by the airmen from high above, the bombs burst with a spectacular flashing of great circles of flame. The, the school where, which I went to was bombed and then our school was transferred to another school which was also bombed out. So, um, And um, we didn't get any school reports then for about two years. October uh, 44, we were bombed out, you know, in the cellar and the house. We were then evacuated, billeted onto a farm, uh, into rooms that were never meant to be lived in. And so we lived there, in fact, for 10 years, from 44 to 54. Martin Jefford visited Hanover 30 years later and heard what the Allied bombs had done. We were told that after the war, there were just four major buildings left in Hanover. One was the Rat House, which is the big town hall, and three others. They, they showed you models of it, and it was so badly destroyed that the city elders were thinking of abandoning the whole site and building elsewhere. I do remember, you know, walking through the streets where collapsed buildings and piles of rubble right and left it. The narrow path, you know, on the streets where you had to go through. When my grandparents came to join us because they were also bombed out and then they were bombed out a second time in Hanover, um, we went with a handcart uh, to Hanover from the village to try and collect whatever was still usable in the rubble and in the cellar. The hunger and deprivation set in after 45 when. Um, the German administration collapsed. Reparations were taken out of the country. Um, there was uh, starvation and hunger. Children in Bristol knew what being bombed was like and heard the news of the terrible conditions in Hanover after the war. German Newsreel, 1947. Bishop Lilje from Hanover visited England. The bishop was presented with clothing and groceries by Bristol school children for their German counterparts. 
What kept us alive, particularly children, was Schulspeisung, um, uh, as it was called. Food was served in schools. Um, by, uh, in our case, actually Swedish uh, organizations feeding German children after the war for maybe a year and a half or so. You took a dish with you and a spoon and uh, it was always soup. A child's letter in the Evening Post. We are sorry that your town has been badly bombed and we know that in winter you have very bad weather. So we have collected many gifts so that you can go to school and perhaps to Sunday school. The gifts from the children of Bristol were a drop in the ocean, but their symbolism began a relationship between our cities that has lasted a lifetime. We hope it will soon be repaired and when we grow up and you grow up, there will be peace between Germany and our isles. Anne Kennard has been the chair of Bristol Hanover Council for the last 17 years. I've got a quote here from General Sir Gordon Macready, who was regional commissioner for Lower Saxony at the time. He agreed with this idea of linking the two, uh, but he added that the link should limit itself to cultural contacts and, and I quote, in no way lend itself to exercising pressure on the military government with reference to political matters. So it has actually been very largely a cultural link. The very first delegation was just these five men and they were representing different parts of the life of Bristol uh, and they were incredibly well received in Hanover. They could not believe it in Hanover that, that there was the hand of friendship being extended so soon after the war. But then fairly soon, 48-49 especially, uh, there were the first youth visits etc and that, that then continued from then onwards with, with all sorts of different groups. Many people have been involved with Bristol Hanover Council over the years. Marina Dolman, now president of Bristol City Football Club, has supported and volunteered for the council for years. I was in Bristol Hanover Council from 63 until about 83, really. Here she is in conversation with Anne Kennard. I'm very full on people getting to know other people from other countries. Mm. And um, I think the Bristol Hanover council particularly has worked extremely hard and has a wonderful record when you think it started in 1947 with Alderman St. John Reed yes, that's right. and Alderman Burt and Edward right. Seath, Edward Seath who's, yes. whose son is still around in Bristol. Yes, um, well I, of course I remember Edward Seath because he was youth officer of yes, Bristol wasn't right. he yeah. and as I was secretary of the first multiracial um, youth club in, in oh, Bristol right. called the Mill Centre. So um, I know what a wonderful man he was. Ah, and he was very keen on furthering the mm. relationships with all countries from, mm. from Britain's point of view. Mm. Professor Kloss? Professor Kloss. Professor Kloss, he was my professor and I came to Bristol to study German. And that's how my connection with Hanover came about. He was a, he was a dear man, actually. He was a delightful man, very absent-minded and eccentric. But we, were, we always felt very protective of him. And he made me, certainly me, love German poetry and um, philosophy and so on. And he was very anxious that some of us at least should go to Hanover. So in February 1956, I and the rest of my cohort went to Germany for six months. And I think he, he was a real friend of Hanover. That was Barbara Cowell. Professor Kloss also found ways to get young people not associated with the university to go to Hanover. 
A young Marina Dolman had already been there on school exchange. But then you went again the following year, I think you said. Yes, um, that was that was because I um, I won a competition oh. organised by the um, university here. Um, I just had to write an essay about Germany. Right. And uh, I did, and apparently I won it, and so that gave me another month in Hanover during school holidays. Right. Professor Claus was the one who rang me up and told me I'd won the competition oh, from of the. Course. And so over the years, I kept in touch with Professor Claus until he died. Marina Dolman ended up living and working in Hanover for 18 months in her 20s. Anne Kennard has got to know Hanover well in recent years. It's not a city that people think of to go to when they think about Germany, although they should really, considering that we had a Hanoverian uh, monarchy for quite a long time. But it's been beautifully re restored, reconstructed, and of course it has a, a transport system to die for. My very first visit to Hanover was actually in 2001. I was very impressed. In August 2017, a large group went to Hanover to celebrate the 70th anniversary of the twinning. There were 32 of us went over there and they really did treat us like royalty. Um, and there were ceremonies in the riot house and, you know, the, the, the festival of cultures and the huge firework display and everything. And that was absolutely wonderful. And we had had them here for, the, for a great big event at the zoo with 2,500 people and entertainment. And, you know, the, the mayors were there and, and that was amazing. Also on the anniversary trip to Hanover was Alex Hughes, twinning coordinator. I was going to say one of the most moving moments for me was in Hanover City Hall. This chap, Nick Pickard. He's deputy ambassador. He is deputy ambassador. If I remember rightly, he said, so I bring greetings from the British ambassador in Berlin. Uh, he's on holiday. He can't be here today. But I wouldn't have let him come anyway. So I thought, well, that's interesting. Then um, he said, sort of, this is my you know, official foreign office speech, but I won't use that. And he points up to the balcony above him and he says, I stood there as a 12-year-old schoolboy from Bristol taking part in the Hanover Exchange. You know, I made a friend for life. I came back again. I started learning German. It inspired me to go on. And I've had a career in the, in the Foreign Office. You know, it was just a wonderful, personal, from-the-heart speech. You know, I think some of our delegation were in tears. I wanted to hug the guy. I didn't even know him. Um, so for me, that was, that was a great moment. My brother had meningitis when he was two and he was in the hospital in Coventry when it was bombed and you would think that that would have made my mother very anti-German but it didn't at all. She really believed that what was wrong was the politics and not the people. We saw a German plane come down in the field opposite our house and we were saying, oh, sort of good, hooray and, and so on and my mother stopped us and she said, that father's a father like your father. He has children like you, and they eat black bread. Barbara Cowell's family values sparked an interest in German culture and language, which has grown with her throughout her life and career. I think an awful lot of people didn't grow up with that atmosphere in their homes. I'm, I'm hugely grateful that I did, because that's determined my life in a way. German's been the, the sort of root of many very important experiences in my life. Bitte hören Sie. Oh, I learned German at school with a very reluctant um, Latin teacher. I desperately wanted to learn German um, because we'd had two German girls, in fact, staying with us in the 1940s. And 
I got on with them very well, and I thought that somehow I'd got to understand why we'd fought a war against uh, Germany. One of them, Elke, who's still a friend now, in fact, she came in 1947, I think, under the auspices of a Quaker organisation. I was born in 37, so I was 10 when Elke came. The other one was uh, Ingrid Noska, who came from Cologne, and she was a, she stayed with us for three months. Her father um, had been an officer in the army, and in fact, when she went home, I went to stay with them, and he sat in a corner of the flat and never spoke. It was very odd. He was obviously deeply traumatised. As Germany lay in ruins, all over Britain, people invited German children to come and stay whilst their families rebuilt their lives. Joan Clifford. It was through the Sunday school, F.T. Payne. He was the vicar of Sacramy Baptist Church. And it was him and a lady, they planned it. It was their idea to have some German children over that suffered really badly. We could give them a, a chance to come for holidays to England and stay with the family. So they obviously gave that a lot of thought before they sent their children over. They knew they would be treated kindly because they were all part of the church environment. And I was 13, we were all 13, girls and boys. We were only too pleased to welcome them into our homes. I think it did us good to realise there were people far worse off than us. I mean, my own house, our doors and windows all got blown off. Although a lot of the town got bombed in Bristol, we didn't suffer anything as badly, I don't think, as it did over there. We didn't ever go without food. It might have been rationed. I remember queuing up for potatoes for my mum. But I think we realised that we were the better off than the German children that came to us. And the girl I had was called Hilla, Hiltrude, Hiltrude Hartman. And um, she was very shy, very timid. Her parents were very pleased that we were having a you know, German girl in our home, very grateful and thankful. And they sent a photograph out with all the family. There were six children, and the dad, a very big man with a white shirt and shorts on, a big military German cross. So obviously, he had quite a high position, I would think, somewhere in the German army or navy. She um, didn't want to go out in the beginning, she didn't want to mix with other people. She was very shy and very nervous. I had a big double bed in my house in Southmead and she sat with me. And I, I remember hearing her sobbing a few times. My mum didn't understand why she was upset. She thought she should be well, so please, that she's here with us, you know. And after the first week, she came round a lot. She was obviously a bit nervous at coming to an English home after all we bombed all their homes, you see. But she was a lovely girl. We got on really, really well. And after the month, she went back. So we did our best and I think she was happy and went home happy and we sent little gifts home and tins of corned beef and tins of fruit and stuff. We had a nice letter back from her father that we had to get translated, it was all in German, we got it translated, so thank us very much. And they're just so humble that we had a German child in our home. But the war was still very fresh in everyone's memory. We had people that wouldn't speak to my mum for a few days and three years after the war a lot would have been by us and be thinking, why are you having a German child in your house? That came across, I can remember that quite clearly. That would have been a lot of the attitude from lots of people and our neighbours, I think, as well, where I lived. But some relationships have endured. Right, well, I've been writing to Gretchen since 1948, so I've kept in touch all these years, which is 69, so I believe, and I am now 82 and she is 84. Mary Fowler's family also took part in a Sunday school exchange. I mean, staying three months, you got to know neighbours, family, friends. I have spoken to her a few times on the telephone. 
it's still always how is <laughs> Mrs. Across the Road and everybody else, you know. I think if you get good bonding friendships, no matter how much space goes between, <laughs> you still seem to have seen one another yesterday. Barbara Cowell and Hiller are now in touch too. Barbara last went to Hanover to see Hiller just two months ago. We'd kept in touch for a while and then lost touch, as you do. And then we found one another when we were both in our 50s. And in her first letter to me, she remembered exactly the clothes that my mother had worn, the food that she'd cooked, the things, those things which I'd forgotten. But she remembered. Um, very touching, really. Official twinning exchanges began with youth clubs and schools. Sylvia Supple. My school was one of the first to be involved in the school exchange, and that was back in 1949. I always remember the day we met them at Templeweed Station, and these four very confident, uh, very mature young people came off the train speaking perfect English. About a week later, the uh, council arranged a, a little tea party and there were sandwiches and meringues. Now, none of us had seen a meringue, but afterwards, Ilsa, she said, you know, when we arrived, we were quite hungry. Those four were so enamoured with the plates of sandwiches that I think Elsa had eight and the boys ate 14. <laughs> <laughs> and we all managed to um, tackle the meringues. I didn't go to Hanover until 1953. Ilsa's family were very welcoming. And one of the first expressions was that we didn't want our two countries to go to war. The war was very uppermost in our mind, those early years. But who better to start a process of friendship than, than the youth, really? Hanover, 26th of September, 1947. Dear Family Dix, I suspect that my letter I wrote to you in May has not arrived. Therefore, I'm trying once again to get in touch with you. After a few weeks' stay in a transit camp in Colchester, I safely arrived at home on April the 22nd. The passage was a bit stormy. By the excitement that had seized nearly all of us, we didn't get any sleep. Thus, at 7 o'clock in the morning, we saw the German coast emerging from the cold fog, gloomy and dim almost like a presentment of what was going to be our experience at home. At about noon, after an absence of many years, I was standing on German soil at last. I cannot describe the feeling to be at home again as a free man. The sun was shining most beautifully when I arrived at my wife at 4 p.m. Since she didn't know anything about my coming, the surprise was complete and the joy overwhelming. Too bad you couldn't be with us when we were unpacking. You should have seen the face of my wife when I brought into daylight your presence. The marmalade and the tea have done her good. The dress, the shoes fit 
like made for her. As my wife was totally bombed out in March 1945, she possessed nothing but the things she was wearing. You can imagine her surprise and joy. She cried and could hardly grasp that there were still people helping so altruistically strangers who are in want. In the evening we went to the parents and relations. The whole family was assembled and there were lots of questioning and narrating. What did my dear ones have to endure? It is terrible. Then I had to tell them again and again how you, my hosts, endeavour to ease my lot as much as possible. Even today, I'm frequently asked as a former British prisoner of war, how are the people and how is life in England? I always like to give account of your large-mindedness of all my friends in England. I shall not forget them. I hope that I've amused you a little with my playing on your wonderful piano. My wife had the opportunity in 1946 to buy an old piano. That and four chairs are our only property now. You can imagine how disconsolate conditions are for people like us who are totally bombed out. There's practically nothing you can buy. The prospects are quite cloudy for us, but we will not lose courage. For today, this may be enough. Once more, I thank you with all my heart for everything you have done to me and my wife. Very sincerely yours, Harald and wife. In the middle years of the twinning, especially the 50s to the 90s, Many small groups exchanged with their counterparts in Hanover. My name's Gareth Hodgkinson and I was with the Bristol Youth Band. I, I, I took up playing in school and as I said the first year I'd been playing Hanover Band came over the organ bass orchestra. So we went to stay with them. And we played a piece, I just remember, a piece called um, Tyrolean Tubas, which went down a storm. It's a universal language which is music. Mary, now Watton, was Evans. Well, my father had a tremendous amount to do with the Bristol Hanover Exchange. I think at least four or five times every year we had people from Hanover staying with us and my father would go to Hanover maybe twice a year, each time taking a group of young people with him. And the first time I went was 1953. My sister also went and friends of ours went and we made friends as well. Everything to my father was all in the cause of youth, because he felt if the youth learned the right way to live, the world would be a better place. My name's Mavis Gray, and in 1964, 65 and 66, I took part in the Bristol Hanover Exchange. It wasn't a school group. We came from all walks of life. Some were at work, some were at college, some were at school still. In the daytime, you can talk English to the friends that you've gone on the exchange with. But in the evenings, you're obliged mm, mm. to use the language. 
it really does broaden your mind because you get a, a total picture of what it is like to be somebody of roughly your own age who is growing up in a city in another country in Europe, um, how they live, what they have for breakfast. Hello, Peter Davy. I'm a Bristol boy. We were in Bristol Players and we had a link and it was great fun. We took a play there. A couple of years later, they would come back and do a play here. And then it went on for many an exchange. Of course, English people get away with it in Germany because most of them over there can understand the English. So we could do a play in English without any worry. They would come here and do a play in German. Therefore, we had to go round all the schools to make sure all the school students who were studying German bought a ticket. Otherwise, the whole thing collapsed. My name is Martin Jefford. Our connection with Hanover was that I belonged to Kensington Baptist Church on Stapleton Road. It was 1965 when Hanover Baptist Church came to Bristol and we found that we were doctrinally similar. And so they felt very at home at our church. And of course, being hospitable, they invited us as a church to go back in 1967. Uh, my name's Lynn McAlevey. We answered an advertisement in the Bristol Evening Post requesting uh, a host family for a mother and her child. And we thought, oh, that might be quite nice. My husband and myself both spoke German. And Uta Johansson arrived with her daughter, Christina. Christina was 11 at the time. The reason that they had come was that Uta herself had come to Bristol as an 11-year-old and had had such a fantastic experience that she wanted her daughter, Christina, to experience it as well. And we visited them a couple of years later, and that was my first visit to Hanover. Most exchanges involved staying with host families and memories are still strong. When we arrived in Hanover, we were met by the various families that we were going to stay with, and they were extremely kind. We stayed with a family, and we, um, we got on very well with them. Um, I can remember eating frankfurters a lot. <laughs> the, the mother made time to take me uh, on little visits with the daughter. We went to a Volkswagen factory, we went to Balzen Biscuit Factory. That's my still my favourite biscuit, the one that is a biscuit on one side and chocolate on the other sort of thing. I mean, when I first went there, there was funny little things. It was the first place I saw sugar cubes wrapped in paper. They used to put a little doily in your saucer before they put the cup down. I'd never seen that before. Got slightly different ways of life, haven't they? Marina Dolman. We have little ways that are so different. Like in Germany, it's polite to keep your hands on the table when you're eating. In England, it's more polite to keep them on your lap. <laughs> Silly little things like that. But I mean, it's just interesting. Yes. People were very good to me. I had a great time in Hanover. I really enjoyed it. So my name is Sharon Barnes. I am the assistant director at Fairfield High School. I'm a German teacher.
It was a twinning project and we were focused on this beautiful story that took place back in the 1940s when children in Bristol donated shoes to children in Hanover. To have my students involved in a project that commemorated something like that and seeing it in the sketches right up to the performance at Colston Hall, it's just been fantastic for them. I was helping design the shoes. So it was like us performing, like showing the shoes to like the audience and doing a dance to each shoe because it was from each decade. So. so the 1940s until the 2000s. The shoes represented a part of what happened. Us and the Hanover students shared eras, so we got to design the shoes together and then we wore the shoes in the performance. The Cotton School made us some music to go with our dance. I think it made a difference to learning German because we actually got to experience it in real life. It definitely made me more motivated to learn German and you make like connections and you also learn about the culture, not just the language. I want to be able to do it for A-level and then hopefully work in a German-speaking country. As a teacher, one thing that we're trying to instill in our students is the kind of the global communications and that kind of understanding of other people's culture and tolerance and if you're not open to, to learning about other people's cultures and having those twinning relationships then you're really going to be quite isolated and you're going to shut yourself off I think from the rest of the world which is quite sad. That was Fairfield Year 10 students Agatha, Anisha, Emilia, Leon, Maya, Shadiamond, Veronica and thanks to to the music team at Cotton. I think the twinning of Bristol and Hanover offers a lot of opportunity for young kids to like meet people that are different to them and just have a relationship with someone who doesn't speak their language. It's friendships that well, you've got forever until you're no longer here, isn't it? That was the idea, wasn't it? That's why we all started, to make friendships to stop any anger. Having relationships at a personal level does change one's perspective somewhat. You know, it's easy to read about diplomatic comings and goings at a national level, but you get a very different perspective when you talk to people, and I find that not only important but very very encouraging as well. The Hanoverians are really really passionate about the twinning. I think all all Germany is passionate about international relationships and especially with Britain. You might think that we're all in Europe but we are all very different countries and we can learn a lot from from Germany. A twinning arrangement makes the the two sides um, see themselves in a in a different light somehow. It makes them develop certain aspects of their own kind of character, as it were, if you can speak of the character of a city. Bristol as a port city has, in, a, in some senses, has always been quite open. But I think it's made, made Bristol feel more open and tolerant too, I hope. At least against the background of Brexit, we're able to establish this personal connection with people, which um, 
makes them realise that there are a lot of us who are essentially pro-European. We made friends with the German people. They were really nice and like they were really easy to talk to yeah. and it's going to be really fun when we go back to Germany to see them again. Yeah, we've added them on different types of social media so we're all still in contact so I think yeah. it's a friendship that will progress. You know the twinning's going to stay on even no matter where we are with the EU, like we're still going to be twinned with Hanover and like we're really similar to them. I think it made me feel like a lot more connected to Germany knowing that like we've been twinned for 70 years and I hope things will stay the same. I think twinning in the early days was immensely important for ordinary people to get together and be aware that we're all really very similar. In the middle period, things became much more kind of even and perhaps twinning wasn't quite as important, but I think it's immensely important again now because the whole world seems to be fragmenting and we can't afford for that to happen. Human beings need to be together. They need to work together for a better future.